Hello and welcome to the First Issue Club comic book podcast. We're your weekly comic book reading club and we're covering almost exclusively First Issue comics. They're the onboarding place where you jump in to new, exciting, fun stories. The Union and MODOK are our two first issues. And oh boy, we got a doozy today. Obviously, we're talking about King and Black, which is the Huge magnum Marvel opus mm-hmm. to Donny Cates' through line through Marvel for the past two or three years. Yeah, we're tying into this through... Silver Surfer Black. Thor. Thor. Mm-hmm. Venom. Venom. Absolute Carnage. You're right. Crossover. God Country. <laughs> no, no, no. I kid, I kid. So I guess the first question we have to ask is, if you're a new comic book reader, is this the book for you? I do think there were enough recognizable cast of characters throughout that yeah. it wasn't too inaccessible and there weren't a ton of asterisks or references to other storylines. And it feels like a familiar story too. Big alien dragons flying down from the sky into New York City. It felt like an Avengers movie. So I made the mistake of reading the Marvel Tales book. A get you up to speed sort of graphic novel for King and Black. Yeah. And honestly, it made me really appreciate all of the work that Donny Cates has been doing for this moment yeah. and earning it. He always knew it was going to be a big event, but making it a tinier story for two years mm-hmm. before it turned into a cosmic event that might end the world as we know it. He's he's good. We, we compliment him a lot, but he's good at his job. And it's also cool that it's all in the world of Venom, which is a big character, but not like Captain America Iron Man, Thor. Yeah, the funny thing was we started this podcast the week after Venom Number 1 by Donny Cates came out. And we You're right. loved that book. Mm-hmm. I remember talking with everybody and saying like, man, they treated him like somebody with a personality instead of making him just like, I'm going to chew your brains, blah. But that story really looked at like the relationship between Eddie and the symbiote. And it was kind of like a sad, bittersweet, codependent thing. I think I think you guys would agree. Venom is having another kind of renaissance from when he was very popular in the 90s. Yeah. Like Todd McFarlane made Venom and Spider-Man blow up in the 90s. That was the only thing that kept Marvel alive was Spider-Man sales and Venom sales and a right. little bit of Wolverine. Yeah. And so Donny Cates has taken that kind of... Um, fandom and that kind of love for the character and has just jettisoned it into like another stratosphere so one conversation we haven't had yet about this book is noel comes down to earth and says i need brock and you assume he's talking about eddie brock once he gets eddie Mm -hmm. he's just like you're not the brock i'm looking for i'm looking for brock (laughs) lesnar oh how cool would that be if they if they threw brock lesnar in the ufc fighted dude (laughs) Blow the doors off the fucking thing. Oh um, my he's god! Looking for a real challenger, that'd be a hell of a Bring crossover. Bring me Kimbo Slice. <laughs> Reanimate Kimbo Slice. R.I.P. R.I.P. <laughs> um, but Dylan Brock has a similar sort of feel that Franklin Richards had for a while in the MCU, wherein there's this like kid character with the potential to do something immense with the powers that have been teased that they hold but they don't have like clear definition yet we don't really know what the idea is and that unknown is very exciting Mm -hmm. the idea that dylan brock could like potentially replace null and be like the god of symbiotes is 
very cool and it makes my hands sweat thinking about the first appearance <laughs> i have <laughs> money 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 well, money i know that i know that noel like constantly calls them all like his little ones and everything but like yeah. he does say that it's his child that is in that relationship with dylan so it could be like he's he's just the successor but venom is just having had a real rum spring up and <laughs> now things have come to roost that daddy's home coming to collect his child and he's got a big decision to make but i think there's that concept i love that of, reference i think there's that concept of that if you break off from the pack then you do become more dangerous because you can then mm -hmm. present that threat to the pack of like there's more than one way of doing these things the relationship between you and your host can be different it makes me think maybe i could do something yeah wow it's inspiring yeah wow. thank you symbiote maybe even me <laughs> maybe even budget king could do something so is is Noel like does he have a connection to the symbiote? I guess, I guess my question is if it was not like an SAT is is Robin Williams to Flubber as Noel is to the symbiote? Did he like create it or is it just like a part of him? I think both kind of, right? Yeah. So I think he created it from himself, right? It's from essence Been of there. essence of his being. <laughs> Gross. Yes, that's true. This <laughs> I don't even want to pull on that stride. <laughs> come on, come on. Now we're hitting our stride in conversation. But then I think there's something about the planet that he was on also like forged to make it like a wild strain of symbiote and more powerful than he really imagined. Mm -hmm. And so like it also has this wild nature to it, which explains Venom. Okay. This is this this conversation reminds me so much about something Caitlin pointed out about becoming a comic book fan <laughs> and getting to the point where it's like eventually you just get comfortable with the idea that you're not sure when you're reading True. these yeah. things yeah, yeah. believe all belief suspended yeah. just like sure uh -huh. right so that's i'm sure it makes sense um <laughs> they've, done, they've done their homework i I've, believe i've read so many of the comics from donny cates uh in the build-up of this and even i'm unclear as to some of the origins of Noel, but what I do know is that he's like this primordial celestial powered god thing that was like an early creative force in the universe and created something out of that initial power that allows him to conquer and digest planets and like gain power right. from that. Which is why he like had beef with the celestials, right? Exactly right. One of his like earliest foes. I think the fact that Noel was able to just like will celestials, you find out that they're like essentially symbiote minions is just like a display of his power, which that's the compliment I want to pay Donnie again here is that the basically the task was just he has to make a villain so believably bad and powerful that you care about this event. It just being one person, an mm -hmm. apocalypse or Galactus or whatever. And I think he created a new character and in three years made it believable that this guy's bad enough to really fuck with things. I think even in the standalone issue of just King and Black, even though we weren't really trying to do a review of just the book, but like it, it's really easy to see how bad it is in just this first issue. Yeah. The other thing that occurred to me is I was like, I think this is what DC Metal was going for, but wasn't <laughs> able to accomplish <laughs> Again, earning it. Yeah. 
Like it got wild so fast. And and like I'm really attaching myself to this. Uh, Donny Cates has a whole line of like clothing and stuff like that. And one thing that he's taking as his own that he's printing on stuff is kids like chains, which is a Todd McFarlane quote. Mm-hmm. And the essence for me, what he's saying is like sometimes your design is just as important as your story. Oh, for sure. He was making Noel epically black metal. Do you think he was trying to go for that? Like, I think also with that quote, Todd McFarlane is saying, hey, sometimes don't get hung up on the story or the details. Like, just draw something cool and yeah. make a fun, like, bloody story. Like, doesn't need to have a complete back history in the beginning. Just make it interesting. It has to be fun and enjoyable. And I think, like, the way, <laughs> yeah. yeah, the way that he's made Noel, even early on in Venom, but, like, with his sword, like, his pale face, like, he just, like, he looks cool. I mean, he looks like a demon I don't want to come for me. Right, yeah. <laughs> okay. So there's a, I mean, there's a lot of interesting stuff here. There, there's a lot of tie-ins. Yep. Probably more so than they thought because they had to kick in some Empire tie-ins that COVID fucked up, mm-hmm. uh, which we're going to get into here pretty soon. But um, I I was I was having event fatigue already with 2020. Yeah. Given that there was a brief intermission with COVID, but Empire... And King and Blackers is so back to back because of that mm-hmm. that I, I wasn't sure I was gonna like really enjoy this at all. And we were just off the tail of Ten of Swords. Yeah, you're totally right. We will see. We shall. But first, let's get into some tie-ins by getting this podcast started, right? Yes. Harry Potter quote. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Ladies and gentlemen, ding, 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 welcome ding, ding. to the union. Our first King and Black tie-in came out the same week as King and Black. Like we mentioned, was supposed to be an Empire tie-in event and it is now a King and Black tie-in event. Could you guys tell that this was rewritten or restructured in any way? It didn't feel like a symbiote book. I guess that's my answer is it was skinned for whatever event they wanted to plop in there. Can I tell you guys a fact about Union Jack? Already off the top with trivia. We don't even know who's writing or drawing this book. (laughs) We know it's from Marvel Comics. We got carried away real fast. Did you know that the Union Jack character came before the actual Union Jack? Flag that the British people Mm -hmm. wave. Mm -hmm. Um, I did not know that. Now you, now you know. <laughs> when was the Union Jack? Oh, here we go. <laughs> Bravo. Ten points for Gryffindor. <laughs> you you could have just made it up. We don't know. Good job. There's no not proving me wrong. So. <laughs> do you, wh- it sounds how, made up. When do you think this book was written in relation to Brexit? Oh. Why? There's pretty heavily handed references to the division in Britain about leaving the EU. And just the turmoil inside. Oh, I didn't really catch that as a central theme. There's there's a little bit of a commentary at the top of like, can't we all coexist and be together? And this can be like a symbol of that. I remember when they announced this book, there was some controversy because was it the Scots were like, don't fucking put us in a union superhero team because you don't understand Mm -hmm the turmoil that's going on between our countries right now. Go watch Braveheart, is what they said. 
Sure, mm-hmm. yeah, that was their battle cry. Yeah, written on their signs, on their T-shirts. Go, Go watch, watch Braveheart. Braveheart. I didn't know that about the Scots when this came out. That's kind of crazy. Yeah, people we, were people yeah. were really mad about it. We aren't the only ones that have inner conflict in America. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess I just skated right past that. I mean, I, I when you're saying that, I'm remembering like how there's a couple of comments referenced that there are a lot of folks represented in the union, but I also thought it was weird. That if they're going to do that, it's so homogenous. Like, for a new team up to be, like, more white people? Yeah. Like, I was like, okay. Well, we don't know what Snakes is. I mean... I think Snakes is literally Snakes. That yeah. would be fucking amazing. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's, <laughs> but like... But does not count toward yes. <laughs> diversity yeah. and okay. representation. Hey, snakes! <laughs> Greg, come here. Okay. We're, I'm walking I'm, across the room. I'm bringing Greg over across the room. And we're looking really closely on Snake's hand right here. Does that look like a forked tongue to you coming off of his finger that could also be a snake? That does look forked. I think he's a pile of snakes. <laughs> the first snake character. Made to be a man. The first snake that character. That can speak. Yeah. Did he speak? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, he did say something. But yeah, his word said, bubble was like... He said like, pass you don't want to go there, soup. bro, or something like that. Was he, he speaking... Said, he said, pass say it. the Wait, soup? Was he speaking parcel time? There we go. <laughs> yeah, 50 sure. points sure. for Hufflepuff. Sure. <laughs> Interesting point about this book. Set in England, James Bond not in it at all. Yeah, I was really uh, surprised to not see Mr. Bean as well, or the Beatles. Yes. When I was reading this book, I had a checklist next to me uh-huh. of like the Who. Right. Right. A Coldplay. The Lads from Liverpool. Austin all my, Powers. All my favorite Radio bands, Head. and then Austin Powers. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, we're going mostly bands. <laughs> and then a fictional character. And then a fictional. <laughs> <laughs> movie superhero i really like this book it Main- was great mainly because i love when new teams are introduced yep and i love new characters that i don't know too much about because mm-hmm. i think there are some newer characters in this book okay so let's get into the characters that were introduced we've got kelpie mm-hmm. who is scottish she's the one with the pink hair and she controls water. Yes. She made like little spikes out of a water bottle someone splashed towards her. I mm-hmm. like that she can just be a puddle and just like trap people. Elsa. Let it go. Is that something Elsa can do? She's Elsa, yeah. Well, with with frozen with fro- water. With frozen stuff. But it also water. <laughs> Correct. Next. <laughs> it is a substance that has different states of matter. Also, frozone. I mean, if we're just doing that. <laughs> 10 also, points of budget key. Also, <laughs> Moses. <laughs> wow. Hey, one more time. <laughs> We're going to be getting a lot of slow clap during this episode, I feel. All right. Uh, choir is a character that represents whales. <laughs> I do not the catch country, that. country, not the animal. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. Is that why you Damn were it. laughing? Yes. We're talking about the union. I understand now. But it did oh sound it did God. sound like whales. Because I mean, also it did sound that. like whales. Whale, the animal whales and the place whales. You didn't say whales. 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 <laughs> whales and whales are different. Sure. I don't think the place whales has an H. It, it doesn't. doesn't. So I said it right. W A L E S. Well, I'm learning two things. Like, like Mike D wants to Just wail two. on Budget King right now. That's also spelled differently. Okay. 
so it's welsh the character that character is welsh great (laughs) (laughs) which means she does represent wales this is the character with green hair wailing is also like Mm -hmm. yelling being loud and i think that's her power and that's kind of why i thought choir because it's multiple voices like just continuing on and on in someone's head yes so maybe it's just more of a, a psychological noise thing yeah it's always tough with these like first issues where they introduce tons of new characters. Right. Is this because you really be... want to get your head around? Is this going to be the new like Age of Atlas? This could be a introduction to a new British team. I mean, that a, takes the... more prominence. I mean, there's essentially five new characters they're introducing here. That book like blew up, and all those characters got their own book. Well, one character may not get their own book. Yeah. Oh yeah, see ya. Our <laughs> star character. Britannia had like the coolest design of all the characters. Mm -hmm. They are pumping her up throughout the comic book saying like nobody wants to talk to the other people who are on this new government funded team. And she gets gutted by the symbiote. I looked up the character on Marvel fandom just to see what their like info listed on her was Mm -hmm. like powers, stats, anything that they had beyond what this book gave us. Well, I know she's vulnerable to getting stabbed. <laughs> we know that. But the, the interesting ten, thing ten I points. found on this page there you go. was that it was listed as her first and last appearance already. Wow. So in five years, when we have the State of a Union event and for Marvel, and they bring back a mysterious character, <laughs> it'll be Britannia. <laughs> it'll be Britannia resurrected. She was in the cover for number two, which maybe is just a way to avoid a spoiler. But Are you guys interested in this outside of... It's tie into King and Black. If it continues to have this creative team, sure. I really liked it. I think it's like it would be a fun book to follow and it breaks a lot of like norms in Marvel. But it's so regionalized to being Great Britain Mm -hmm. that it's a little bit like I kind of question if I care. Like I never really got into like Canadian Justice League or whatever that was. Yeah. What what norms do you see them breaking for Marvel? Oh, that it's like a snake new, person, a new superhero <laughs> team that's actually going to like defend the world, but doesn't isn't like but it's still lighthearted. Like, I think normally when Marvel goes heavy on like they're powerful, they keep it serious. It's it's rare to see them make them powerful and then also a lighthearted. Yeah, thing. but Budget King, you know, they get these Marvel books that reference New York and Midgard over Oklahoma and other kind of nuanced american things in other countries that aren't america oh i i'm just telling you budget king's uh predisposition i'm not saying america first is what budget king is saying every other page i'm just like where are the whales in the ocean they keep referencing (laughs) whales and i this is ridiculous past it I i don't understand it i don't i don't know if i'm too invested but it doesn't really have anything to do with like the fact that it is british it's just i don't know that it does enough to distinguish itself i wish we would have seen more from kelpie choir and snakes because i just don't know if i like them or not yet right i don't get a feel for the culture of the team at all yeah the character design is awesome mm-hmm. and i it, it's starting to seem like maybe the king and black tie-in was more just to get you to buy a book a book Mm -hmm. that is introducing something and not so much so that this was just created for Mm -hmm. an event i would i mean personally i would have rather it not let in with an event true i wish it was on its own legs 
you know, it didn't need to be an empire or a kingdom black tie-in. Like, this is the union. This is a new thing we're trying to introduce here. I wonder if they have like analytics or anything that they shows yeah. that it's it's easier to launch a new series with a bunch of new characters if it ties into something bigger. This may be a bad comparison, so forgive me if it is. But it's kind of like introducing Ant-Man to the MCU and like seeing this newbie interact with all these people who are very well established does not make you dislike the newbie. If, if anything, it like it's more endearing to kind of watch them find their footing amongst other established characters. So in that way, it could do the same thing for books like this, where you're like already going to get that crossover feel and get to learn more about them in the process. And it gives them the gravitas that some of the other heroes have. Right. These guys can fuck with the right. other guys, you know. Yeah. They're on the level. Yeah. I'll say this. If we find out that snakes is not made of snakes... I'm never buying this book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's any way that he's not. He has to be Dude. now. We'll see. It could be fucking Brock Lesnar underneath that goddamn thing for all we know. <laughs> it could be broccoli. got another marvel first issue with modok head games the writers might sound familiar to you you've got Patton oswalt star of the new modok series coming out on streaming service hulu hulu okay great <laughs> just dub it <laughs> streaming service and then jordan bloom is the uh co-writer on it who i believe is a producer or head writer on the, that show as well oh cool so not a coincidence that this book is coming out and that they're kind of headlining it exactly right and i for me it was really fun to get like to reset what i know about aim and modok in preparation for the show like i'm excited to watch it and it's fun to contextualize the characters with how they're going to use them in the show yeah and i don't know how closely this comic book is going to be to what they want to do with the show Mm -hmm. because the show seems to be a lot more campy yeah and a lot more fun and the aim henchmen seem to be a lot more bumbling and kind of imbecilic that's what i was gonna say is that that show seems a little bit more like way zany and kind of like robot chicken-esque mm -hmm. yeah adventure brother something like that yeah whereas like i think that they did a good job of being like okay well like let's observe the medium of the comic book and be proper to modok there uh -huh. but also still remain funny. Like, I think it walked the line really well. Well, let's 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 not, you know, beat around the bush here. These two writers are huge comic book fans. Not only are they, like, entangled with TV and movies and stuff, but, I mean, Pat Oswald is, like, a bleeding heart comic book lover. Like, he loves the medium. He's written other stories before. So it, just to have him in here isn't just, like, a weird ploy for the Hulu show. And he's a good person. Big fan. <laughs> of and, Pat Oswald. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> In a general, good person wrote this. If you were wondering, yeah, oftentimes <laughs> questionable people of moral character. <laughs> Not this comic. Yeah, sometimes they get on our show when we interview them. And <laughs> they sneak on. If Patton Oswalt were to oops sneak on our show, I wouldn't be angry about it. Did you guys notice something that popped out to me about this book was the aim goons that we were mentioning? Mm -hmm. First, I'll say one of the most iconic henchmen outfits in the Marvel universe. I love them so much. Yeah. But there were uh, hench women. Oh yeah, and I was like, "Wow, 
it like almost broke my brain. I was like, I've never seen henchwomen before. The realization mm-hmm. that it had been lacking. Yeah. 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 Completely. I love when something manages to do that and not make a show of it. Right. That's a good point. I just, Although we don't know for certain that stormtroopers weren't women under there as well. So I'm just going to say we don't know. For well, sure. none if, if they were, none of them spoke. Which is a problem. Correct. George. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> don't we know, though? <laughs> They, yeah, I feel sure like we, we know. know that they were all men. Like we know. Well, okay, so well, this isn't a Star Wars podcast, so we're not going to get into it. <laughs> well, in this book, Aim is basically trying to push out Modok. We've gathered a board. It was very funny to see Aim work like a corporate entity, um, and <laughs> I kind of hope, and I think that's where the show is going to go. That they've got like people they've got to report to and all staff meetings. Yeah, staff meetings and quota they've got to meet. So do we always know that that Modoc had a wife and family? N- no, this. So he's kind of glitching is the idea that we're getting. Like, if, if you know anything about Modoc, he's like an artificial intelligence that was created and mm-hmm. is thusly run by basically a computer system. And we've got the idea that someone has hacked him and implanted false memories that are leaving him distracted. Your assumption, I think, that you're supposed to take away is that someone maybe on the board at AIM has hacked MODOK to try to, like, force him out. Something is happening. Because, like, they did a really interesting thing about cleaning up the different iterations of MODOK. Mm -hmm. We see in that one scene where he's, like, re-downloading all of his memories and kind of cleaning up his, his brain hard drive. We see different snippets from different comic books and we get five very distinct images of Modoc from those very popular series of just like, oh, that explains why he's so different. He's basically he's resurrecting defra- himself. He's and- defragmenting. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's his, his McAfee yeah. subscription had renewed yet, <laughs> so he's kind of buggy. Well, the, I loved the first page of the comic, which is like pink houses, like John Mellencamp sort of thing where you're walking up to this like beautiful suburban house. Sucking down chili dogs. And you're sucking down <laughs> chili dogs. <laughs> it was very vision almost. Yeah. It was And like, I was like, don't hate this. It was eerie. He opens the door and you can kind of tell it's his shadow. You never like see him. But mm. it's there's like a family running around and all their faces are like scrambled. Right. And it was just a it's a it was a weird, striking way to start the comic. And then as it starts to unfold and you realize he's got these memories of Mm -hmm. uh, son, daughter and wife, it's it's kind of creepy. While the book is silly and fun, like that aspect of it was like a little haunting and sad. Well, okay, so that that's what leads me to believe that what's happening isn't nefarious. Like he references George, which is who he was before he was Modoc. Uh So it seems like someone's trying to help him remember something, not trying to like get him out of aim that's what i wondered if that was a a red herring if you will because there's very clearly a character in the book on the board at aim that wants him out and is doing everything she can to get him out yeah but she may not be the one that's driving this i don't don't think think she is i think it's something completely different and i think the reveal is gonna be very fun And and who he has to turn to to figure it out is also a big twist that makes this all the more interesting. Yeah. So in the beginning of the book, they're trying to rob a, a, a Stark Unlimited train mm-hmm. to sell 
the hardware on the black market. Right. Towards the end of the book, we realize he's glitching so bad, he goes to the only person he can think of that can help him, which is Tony Stark. Right. Which is um, a fun reveal. Will Tony take pity on Modoc and actually try to help him? I think so. I think so. I don't think his ego can stand not being able to figure something out over Modoc. Well, and it's two very intellectual people trying to figure out a problem. It was so weird seeing Modoc be vulnerable. It's like never happened before. Right. And it, it it's really like fight or flight too. Like he's not even opening the door to seeing that as vulnerability. He's just like brain broke, you fixed. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here now to do this. Cool. It did, a, it did a great job of showcasing the brilliance of Modoc. Mm-hmm. Like, you can tell he's book smart, not street smart, because he always finds a way to fuck up these kind of scenarios they go out on or these missions, but he can always recoup the money they lost by, like, using his intellect to manipulate banking systems or stuff like that. So it's it's fun to watch him be, like, this super intelligent person, but just a complete moron. Bazinga. Hey. What's the acronym stand for, Greg? Stands for Motorized Ostrich (laughs) Ducks Operate Kangaroos. (laughs) Ostrich Ducks. Mechanical something designed only for killing. Mechanized organism. (laughs) Mechanical organism. Machine (laughs) organism. I think it's mental. Mental organism. Do you want me to look it up? Mental organism designed only for killing. Okay. I think. All right. What, do you have a guess there, Budget King? You've been suspiciously quiet during this conversation. Yeah. Uh, Did you not like Modoc? <laughs> I liked it. I so I don't know if you guys know about this, but no, sometimes more facts, more fucking facts. Sometimes mechanized organism. Sorry, mechanized, mechanized organism. Right. So sometimes, like a guy doesn't have to speak and reiterate what is just said so for other people to understand it. <laughs> Here's so. the thing about podcasts. That's what they are. <laughs> typically three dudes yelling at one another we Uh are different because we got a lady (laughs) yeah no i mean like i loved hearing you guys just wax poetic about modok and then as like marvel heads be looking at like a book that doesn't take itself seriously and is also honestly a book that's just promoting a television show and Mm -hmm. it's still good that's kind of amazing it is yeah i agree i think we get that twinge of sadness because of who Patton oswalt is as a comedian sure and, and and as a writer he is definitely like a grand conductor of the melancholy. Like he just knows how to make sad look good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so strange. I mean, he's he's lived a very sad, I don't life. know, tragic life, but he's had some very tragic stuff happen to him. And he's just always rolled with it so well. And I'm sure therapy is a big proponent of that. But like, what a great person to kind of dive into the unhappiness of Modoc. Who wouldn't want to be a giant head floating around? That floating <laughs> onion has layers, man. Just cut it right. It's making me cry. <laughs> Just like onions it, will do. His and, daughter, too. The way she was drawn oh God, killed he's, me. It's so funny. He's got a typical humanoid wife and son. And it, then his daughter is like a floating Modoc head. Like, it's like the litter of puppies rule where you're going to have half that look like right. mom and half yeah. that look like dad. <laughs> Well, and that is like, those are like spitting depictions of the characters from the Hulu show. Mm -hmm. So I think that's where we get the crossover of just them getting you familiar with what the idea of the show is going to be. Oh, do you think he's going to end up making them or like getting trapped in the show? I don't know. Is it going to be like a fourth wall breaking sort of like weird tie in or lead into the show? 
I don't. It's just it's just all a cool. dream and a snow globe, and it's just like he wakes up and he realizes he has a family. I think all I didn't ha- realize those characters. Were in yeah, the they show. were. I yeah. think I think all it has to do is set up Modak as kind of funny and interesting. Is is all they're trying to do for the show? I don't know that they're going to go directly into it, but it did not occur to me from the. I don't. Did you watch the preview or like the little pilot thing they did? We oh, watched it. It was, a, it was yeah. a while back. But, I can't remember the details of it. In watching that, I was like. This is technically in the Marvel Universe, but it won't do anything in the Marvel Universe. It didn't occur to me until this issue where I was like, they could actually have like Iron Man and like more than AIM mm-hmm. like enter to this television show, which is kind of cool. Yeah, it's, it's hilarious to me that like at its core, MODOK is just a failing small business owner. Right. <laughs> it's just like just doing a terrible job or, or, but or should not be failing because it's literally the smartest being right or even failing middle management which is funnier yeah like <laughs> he doesn't <laughs> own aim <laughs> well we've got a handful of other first issues that we uh saw this week and some comic book news that we normally would have hit on that i think it's going to make its way into our patreon this week so go over there if you want to hear some of that stuff that Otherwise, you would have normally got in our main feed. But otherwise, we've been First Issue Club, baby. We're recording on the fucking moon like we always do. Audio quality is great up here. So slap that ass. The music and rate five stars. Starting to roll in is from Primary Colors. You know it's true. Those beats are vibing. And we'll catch you next week on the flip side. Bye. 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 Bye.